One of the beauties of expository preaching, expository preaching is when we simply march through books of the Bible like we do at this church and like we do here on Wednesday night and like we've been doing this semester through First and Second Thessalonians. It's when you march through books chapter by chapter, section by section. And one of the beauties and advantages of doing that is you are forced to deal with difficult passages. You can't really pick and choose when you preach it like in an expository way through the scriptures. And not only that, you are forced to preach on passages that you would never choose to preach on in your entire ministry. <laughs> this is one of those passages for me. If I had to choose a thousand times, given the freedom... I would never choose this passage. But in God's providence, he has given it to me, and I have willingly accepted uh, that responsibility tonight. And because it's a little bit of a difficult passage, uh, I have included an outline in your worship guide, so maybe it will help you follow along with me uh, tonight. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians. We're going to be looking at chapter 2, and as you are turning there, I want you to consider just for a moment tonight the human body and how the body is the glorious design of God. Think about it. Your body's symmetry, your body's resiliency, your body's efficiency and beauty. I mean, just think for 10 seconds and you realize how remarkable the human body is. But I think there's something more remarkable. And I think what is more remarkable is our health. Consider your health just for a moment. Right now, Your health is under absolutely lethal assault. It is conservative for us to say, conservative, that in a 24-hour period, your body is being attacked with billions of microorganisms, any one of which has the ability to take you down. But... What has God given you? God has given us a physical immune system that allows us to stand up under lethal assaults from viruses and microorganisms. For example, suppose a small piece of dust were to make its way towards your eye, and suppose that piece of dust were to touch your eye, it instantly hits a microscopic waterfall. We call it tears. Do you realize that one tear in a half gallon of water, one tear is still able to disinfect innumerable germs? What about your skin? Let's suppose we put various bacteria on in sterile solution, 
and we put it on a glass slide, stuck it under a microscope. Do you realize that bacteria would live for more than an hour? Put it on the palm of your hand, it'll be dead in 20 minutes because God has given you something called sweat glands that have been designed to kill it. But what if your immune system were to crash or to be suppressed in some way? What could happen? You could die. You see, in the same way that God has given us physical immune systems, He's also imparted us with spiritual immune systems. Spiritual immune systems that allow us to stand up under spiritual assault. Spiritual opposition that wage war on the soul of our heart and the health of our heart and the health of our lives. And in the same way, if our, if our physical immune system crashes, we could die. If our spiritual immune system crashes, the same thing could happen. We're in trouble if it crashes, spiritually speaking. You see, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the church at Thessalonica, their spiritual immune system is crashing. It is under lethal assault from false teachers. And Paul is writing them, and he's telling them how to keep their spiritual immune system healthy and strong. Follow along with me as I read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm actually going to read 1 through 12, not 1 through 17. This is God's word. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming, seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure 
in unrighteousness. This is God's word. Let me pray. Father, um, you tell us in 2 Timothy that all Scripture is useful and profitable for us. And so we might not see it, but this passage has a lot to teach us tonight. And so we ask you to do it. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and bring this passage to life for us. Pierce our hearts with it so that we might be able to stand up under assault and under spiritual opposition that surrounds us today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Look with me at verses 1 through 3. Very obvious, looking at these verses, that false teachers have made their way into the church at Thessalonica. What were they teaching falsely about? Well, they were teaching falsely about the second coming of Jesus. Look at verse 2. Specifically, they were saying that Jesus had already come for a second time. And not only that... Look at verse 2 again. They were claiming Paul's authority, the Apostle Paul, their pastor. They were claiming Paul's authority on this particular view. Now think about it. If you're at that church and that happens, the tension level starts to rise, doesn't it? This church is anxious, full of anxiety. Look at what it says. It says they are alarmed and unsettled Because their spiritual immune system was under assault. That that is the whole reason that Paul writes this chapter. This church is under attack. And so Paul writes 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 in in, in a response to these false teachers. Because he is trying to keep this church's spiritual immune system from blowing up and crashing. So here's the question that we're going to look at tonight. You see it on the outline before you. How do we maintain a strong, healthy, spiritual immune system? This passage shows us three ways. First, we study the Scriptures. Secondly, we stay alert. And thirdly, and most importantly, as we'll see, we stay near to Jesus. We're going to look at all three of those. Let's start with number one. Look at verse 3. Study the Scriptures. Paul begins his response to the false teachers by basically giving the Thessalonians a crash course in eschatology. What is eschatology? It's just a fancy word that means the study of the end times. And what's interesting is look at verse 5. So he starts down this road, and then in verse 5 he says, Don't you remember, this is very important, Don't you remember when I was with you, I told you these things. What's going on? Well, Paul is saying, everything I'm about to tell you about the end times are things that you already know. They're things that I have already taught you. You see, they had forgotten. They had forgotten the truth of Paul's teaching. 
And because they had forgotten, false teachers had thrown them way off track. And so Paul says, all right, I'm going to remind you what I've already told you. I'm going to talk to you about how this whole thing is going to go down at the end. And so Paul starts down that road, and he reminds them, and he says, let me clarify the order of future events. He says, the day of the Lord, he's basically saying, guys, calm down. The day of the Lord couldn't have already come because there are two things that have to happen first. A certain event must happen and take place, and a certain person must be revealed. The event Paul refers to as the rebellion. The person he refers to as the man of lawlessness or son of destruction. Paul goes on in verses 4 through 12, and he elaborates on these two things. The rebellion and the man of lawlessness. The rebellion, we're not 100% sure, but it either refers to the falling away of many people inside the church, or it refers to a worldwide rebellion in which people will oppose God and His rule and His law. What we do know is that this rebellion is connected to the coming of the man of lawlessness. In the Bible, when he talks about the man of lawlessness, when we read all of Scripture, it is best understood as an individual man who embodies all wickedness. A synonym for the man of lawlessness would be the Antichrist. Paul doesn't call him that here, but that is who he is talking about. Now you know that many people have been put forth in history as being labeled the Antichrist. Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini have all at some point been called the man of lawlessness or the Antichrist. Here's the problem with that. Yes, they were evil leaders, but they are political figures. And the Bible says, look at verse 4 and look at verse 10. The man of lawlessness is going to be revealed in the sphere of religion. Not to mention, if the man of lawlessness, if, say, Hitler or one of those guys were the man of lawlessness or Antichrist, what would have happened by now? Jesus would be back. <laughs> it would all be done. We would be ruling and reigning with him. The new heavens and the new earth would be here. That hasn't happened, and so the Antichrist is not here yet. And so the next question becomes, is the man of lawlessness Satan? That's a question I had. Well, the answer is no. It would be an exaggeration for us to say that this man of lawlessness is an incarnation of Satan. How do we know? Look at verse 9. It suggests a more accurate way to think of it is that Satan produces him. He comes by the power of Satan. And it blew my mind when I saw this in studying this passage. Look at verse 9. Paul actually depicts the man of lawlessness as an imposture to Christ. Jesus will come by the power of God the Father. The man of lawlessness will come by the power of Satan. Look at verse 9. The man of lawlessness will come 
and do many counterfeit wonders and miracles. But we know that Jesus has come and he has worked true ones. And so when will he come? Well, look at verses 6 through 8. Simply put, he will come when the one that is restraining him is removed. And what's interesting is Paul has already told them, look at verses 6 through 9, he apparently thinks that the Thessalonians understood who the, man, or who the restrainer is. Perhaps he taught them in Sunday school or in a small group or something, but we're just getting in on this conversation, and he's saying, hey, look, you know these things. You know who the restrainer is. Here's the bottom line, though. We don't. We weren't privy to that conversation. And so the bottom line is, we don't know who is restraining the man of lawlessness. Many things have been speculated over the years. But it is always dangerous when we start speculating and adding things that aren't clear in Scripture. But what is clear is that God's will lies behind the person or the institution that is restraining the lawless one. And at some point in the future, the restrainer is going to be removed, and the man of lawlessness is going to be revealed. He will be leading a rebellion. And you will know when it happens, because it's going to get a whole lot hotter than it is right now. And then Jesus will come and he will win the battle for us. And we believe that this time of rebellion and chaos and the man of lawlessness will be a relatively short time, a mercifully short time. And Paul is saying this, everything I've just shared with you, Everything that we've just talked about, according to verse 5, are things that you already knew, but you had forgotten. And so here's the implication. The implication is that they were susceptible to assault and to false teaching because they had forgotten what Paul had taught them. Let me translate. They were susceptible to assault and to false teaching because they didn't know their Bibles. Greg Bill, he's a commentator. He tells a story that illustrates how important it is for us to constantly consult the Word of God. He and his wife were doing some remodeling work on their home and they had just put, finished putting finishing oil on their floor, they thought, hey, this is a simple and easy thing. Well, in the middle of the night, their son walks in and says, I smell something horrible in our home. Greg, the father, gets out of bed, and he smells it too, but he quickly identifies it as something is burning in their house. He's looking around and can't find it, and so he thinks that there is a fire in the walls of their house. He quickly calls 911. 
His wife gets up and starts looking around the house. Well, they walk in, she walks into the living room and she sees a cardboard box with kind of fumes coming out of the top of it. Well, Greg grabs the box. It had the rags that they had used and other contents from the box and he immediately takes it outside the house. The firemen pull up, the firefighters get out and one of the firefighters grabs a long stick and he stirs up the contents in the box, and it immediately burst into flames. You see, they had not read the directions fully on the oil can, and there were very specific instructions not to mix the rags that were used with other contents like steel wool and other things together. Because if you mix them together a chemical reaction occurs called spontaneous combustion. You see, they simply didn't think it was important to read the instructions on how to dispose of the rags. They were like, we got this. I don't need to read the instructions on how to dispose of these rags. And it almost caused a major fire in their home. It's the same with Christians and God's direction in the Bible. If we assume that we know what we need to know, God, we got this. I know what I need to know to live the Christian life. If we assume that we know what we need to know without ever consulting God's Word, we're in trouble. And our spiritual immune system is headed for a crash. Can we talk? You see, the truth is, I believe many of our spiritual immune systems either have already crashed or in the process of crashing. Why do I say that? Well, I say that because I see it every week on the college campus. But we are the most biblically illiterate generation to ever walk the face of the earth. It's true. And what's strange is the Bible's more readily available. Some of you are reading it on your phones. There was a survey recently and it said that the average Christian knows only three of the Ten Commandments. Friends, knowing Scripture Studying our Bibles is absolutely necessary if we're ever going to keep our spiritual immune system strong. If we're ever going to be able to stand up under the assaults of this world. We should know the Bible so well that when we hear something, we immediately, I mean immediately, we know whether or not It is in line with the truth of Scripture. It's interesting, as I was reading and studying for this, I read Acts chapter 17. I was referred there, one of my little reference verses in my Bible. And listen to what Paul says. Probably familiar with this verse. The Bereans. Remember the Bereans? Be a Berean. (laughs) Know your Bible. The Bereans were more noble than who? 
The Thessalonians. Why? Because they received the message of the Bible with great eagerness and they examined the Scriptures every single day to see whether or not what Paul was saying, the Apostle Paul, I'm like, hey, I wouldn't question him. They examined to see whether what he was saying was true and in line with the Bible. Question, do you do that? Do I do that? You see, what we should be doing is whatever we hear, whether it's on the radio, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's something that we read, whether it's something on TV, or whether it's something you hear tonight, on Wednesday night at our church, we should put it up next to the Scriptures and see whether or not it is true. If you do that, your spiritual immune system will be strong. If you don't, the Bible says you'll be like an infant that's blown all over the place by every wind of teaching. You see, to keep our spiritual immune system healthy, to keep it strong, the first thing we must do is hold tightly to the Word of God. Secondly, we must be alert. Look at verse 7. Although the man of lawlessness has not yet been revealed and he's currently being restrained, Paul throws out this verse because he's like, guys, don't be lulled to sleep here, spiritually speaking. Because the same satanic power that is going to produce the man of lawlessness is at work right now, exercising his influence in the world. And so Paul is saying, he's already at work, now, here. And so we need to be on high alert and make every stand in this moment to stand against his schemes. It's like he told the Ephesians, remember? In Ephesians chapter 6, the whole spiritual armor armor section, your struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against what? The spiritual forces of evil. We must be on alert, Paul is saying. We must be on alert spiritually the same way we're on alert physically. Think about that just for a second. You are on alert uh, physically speaking. Let's say it's a bad flu season. The stomach flu rips through your home. What do you do? You go on high alert. You might go get a flu shot. You start drinking more water to cleanse your system. You start taking more vitamin C. You start going to bed early. You might be a Lysoler. And so you're Lysoling everything in the house. You're washing, it's true. You're washing your hands more. You're on high alert. Why? Because you're trying to protect your immune system. You're trying to keep it strong so that you can fight off whatever it is that's out there that is attacking your system. What about spiritually, though? How are you doing spiritually? Are you just as eager 
to guard and protect yourself spiritually as you are physically. Paul says that we should be. Because Paul says that behind the curtain of our experience is not an impersonal force, but a personal force. A personality that is dead set on your destruction. That is dead set on your misery. Remember 2 Peter? Peter says he's like a roaring lion circling you, waiting to pounce and devour you. It's his intent that you be supremely unhappy. He delights in your pain. He laughs at you when you weep. And he despises that you are even here now hearing the Word of God preached and Jesus lifted up. The usual suspects. In that movie, there's a famous line that says, the greatest trick that the devil has ever pulled is convincing the world that he didn't exist. If that is true, we have all been mindlessly duped by that trick in this community. You see, our temptation, and it's my temptation too, is to read a passage like this and be like, whoa, this, this is out there. This takes place out there on the mission field or you know, in the midst of some weird story or in another country. And friends, that's exactly what this lawless one wants you to think. He wants you to think that it's out there. That's where the battle's taking place. But don't be tricked. The battle is taking place here, right now, in your life. How do I know? Well, look at verse 7. Before the man of lawlessness is revealed openly, you see, he operates secretly. Which means that his anti-God movement at this point is largely underground. But if you are on high alert and you pay attention, you can see his influence all around you in very subtle ways. We see his influence in the materialism of a consumer society that continually puts things ahead of God. We see his influence in theologies that say there's no more moral absolutes. We see his influence in our society when the sanctity of life is cheapened when sexuality is cheapened, when marriage is cheapened, when family is cheapened, all things, let me remind you, are things that God created. Things that God has instituted. Here's what I'm saying. This spirit of lawlessness that Paul says is at work, is at work in the mundane of life. It is at work Every time you sit behind a computer and you're tempted to cheapen sexuality by clicking on internet pornography. The spirit of lawlessness is at work 
when in the midst of temptation you cheapen grace and say, is it really that big a deal? I mean, everybody's doing it, plus God will forgive me. I know Jesus will still love me. It's at work in our busyness that crowds out family and crowds out time with our spouse and crowds out things that we should be involved in in church and most importantly, the busyness that crowds out our time with our Savior. The spirit of lawlessness is at work when our desire for wealth and our desire for prosperity and material possessions, which in and of themselves aren't wrong, but have they choked out your love for Jesus and your love for a Savior? It's at work. When we decide that our own personal safety and comfort is more important than reaching out to the broken, the needy, those that are messed up, that desperately need someone to love them. Don't be fooled. It's not outside of you and taking place in some weird story in some other country out there. It is happening and the spirit of lawlessness is at work in the mundane, in your relationships, in your workplace, in your marriages, in your homes, and in your families. Are you aware of it? Are you aware of how He is at work around you or have you been lulled to sleep? You know, the scary thing, think about a virus. Once you get hit by that virus and you try to get your immune system up, it's too late, isn't it? You're down for the count for days. Same thing spiritually. Boom. And it's so subtle. And before you know it, The spirit of lawlessness has got you down, spiritually speaking, and got a foothold in your life. That's why Paul is saying, wake up. Are you alert? Make sure you're paying attention to your spiritual immune system, just like you pay attention to your physical immune system. How do we keep our spiritual immune system strong and healthy? Well, we... Study the Word of God. Stay alert. And finally, briefly, most importantly, stay near to Jesus. This is it. This is the key. You see, our temptation, and you just look throughout our culture, the temptation, because this is what the Thessalonians were doing. They heard all this stuff about the end times and they just absolutely panicked. They're alarmed. They're unsettled. But that is not what Paul wants us to be consumed with. It's almost a side note. Paul's like, I'm going to tell you all the things I'm supposed to tell you and just remind you of how it's all going to go down. But that's not what I want you to remember. And that is not what I want you to remember as you leave here tonight. Don't panic and get caught up in all this end time stuff because that's not what this passage wants you to get caught up in. What do I want you to get caught up in? Look at verse 8. In the end, there will be a rebellion. The man of lawlessness is going to be revealed. And then Jesus is going to take the field. 
And this is, quite frankly, unbelievable. Jesus is going to come, and with his breath, he doesn't even talk. He simply, boom, lays him low. But that's not it. He destroys him by the coming of his splendor. Isn't that amazing? Notice here, there's no long, drawn-out battle. There's no gruesome battle where Jesus is bloodied and it's like, you know, some movie where it's like the last effort he kind of destroys his enemy. That's not it. Jesus takes the field, boom, with his breath, destroys the man of lawlessness, and it is done. That is the most important thing that we need to do in keeping up our spiritual immune system to keep it healthy and strong. It's not trying harder. It's not, which we, our instinct is to say, my immune system's getting weak. I've got to start doing all this stuff. I've got to get involved in more religious activities. No, stay near to Jesus. Why? Look, because He's the triumphant warrior. He is your protector. He is your defender. He is your king. He is the one that fights for his people and wins. You see, when we stay near to Jesus, it gives us courage. It gives us confidence to face whatever it is in our lives that it's pressing down on us, whatever it's pressing in on our spiritual immune system, it gives us confidence. I don't know if there's any Lord of the Ring fans, but in the two towers, Theoden is the king, and he is under attack at Rohan. The armies of Isengar are storming Rohan, and Theoden says these words, You've seen the movie, you'll remember. He says, the fortress is taken. All hope is gone. It is over. And if you've seen the movie, you know what happens next at that moment. There is a light in the east. And Gimli says, there it is. There is the light. And Aragon says, yes, there's the light. There is Gandalf. He said, when we see the light, look for him coming in the east. And Theoden looks up. And here comes Gandalf from the east, mounted on a white horse with armies behind him. And suddenly, Theoden's preoccupation with the armies of Isengar is no more. He's preoccupied with Gandalf coming on a white horse with armies behind him. And because he's preoccupied with that, you know what he does? He gets confidence. He gets courage. And he gets back on his horse. He's the one that said it was over. And he goes back into the battle. You see, that's what Jesus does for us. See, the vision of that day when Jesus will come 
And and when he will slay the man of lawlessness with his breath and with the coming of his splendor gives us courage on this day to get back in the battle and fight. How's your spiritual immune system? Do you feel like it's crashing? Do you feel weak? What is alarming you or unsettling you? You have things in your life that are pressing in on you? Well, you have a defense. This passage, our defense, hold tightly to the Word of God. Stay alert. Don't go to sleep. And most importantly, stay near to the Savior because He is your protector.